um, podcasts or TV programs or radio uh, programs that you might listen to. Um, and think about, do the presenters have kind of a standard ending? Like, do they have like a tagline that they always use? Um, I listen to, one of the podcasts I listen to is Craig Rochelle's Leadership Podcast. And he signs off all of his podcasts uh, with the phrase, uh, remember to be yourself because people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. And he says that at the end of all of his podcasts. Um, if you've read any of the Bible, if you've read any of Paul's letters uh, or um, any of John's letters, they often have a greeting that they use because they kind of, back in the day, they would use their, um, they would kind of use their sign-offs as greetings as well. And they would introduce themselves, Paul, Apostle of Christ, uh, and he would say, grace and peace to you. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, do you have a specific way that maybe you sign off texts or emails or letters, if you write letters? We probably only write formal letters, don't we? And so then it might be kind regards or yours sincerely, which is kind of standard. But, you know, if you're sending a text to a friend or how many of you have sent a text and to friends and maybe um, family, you might sign it off. I would sign it big love, libs, lots of kisses. And uh, occasionally I've been known to send lots of kisses to people that I haven't meant to send lots of kisses to. And then it's a quick, oh, I'm really sorry. It was automatic. Um, but I do generally sign off emails and text message big love. And so as a result of that, I um, have been given a number of cake tins and mugs that say big love on um, because people have known that that is a phrase I use. Um, I realize I've missed, oh, there is some pictures. Um, <laughs> Graham's too busy listening. Um, <laughs> I've missed out. Any of you watch Michael McIntyre's big show? I mean, I just think it's, I love Michael McIntyre. Um, when he does Centre All, for those of you that haven't ever watched it, he takes a celebrity's phone and he writes an outrageous message and sends it to all of the contacts in that phone. Um, but he does always say, at least the ones I've watched, he always checks with the celebrity what their sign-off would be because he wants it to try and be as authentic as possible. Um, so I, I say all of that just to get you thinking about maybe endings, how you sign things off. If you've been around for the last six or seven weeks, you'll work out where we're going on this. Um, but so certain phrases draw things to a close. They, create, they provide um, a kind of a full stop at the end of something. Um, my big love, Libs, is like, here endeth my mammoth text message. Um, if ever you've refeed, refe received a WhatsApp or text from me. Um, and we are closing our series this morning on the Lord's Prayer. And I want to look at how it ends. I want to look at uh, the last sentence that we, the global church says, the global Protestant church says when it finishes praying the Lord's Prayer. It's not exactly as it's seen in your Bibles, um, but it has um, been incorporated into the liturgy of the Protestant church for centuries and centuries and centuries. And it's a way of drawing this prayer to a close, uh, to providing an ending. So we've been over the last few weeks using um, the Matthew's account of Jesus teaching people to pray this prayer. It's also, there's a slightly shorter version in Luke 11, um, and that gives us the context within which we find that the disciples have said, Jesus, how should we pray? And he says, try this, do this, crafts it. 
Um, but generally, um, if you have a, a New Living Translation Bible, a New International Version Bible, some of you, this might just be like, what? I've got a Bible. I don't know what else. But generally, the more modern translations um, don't have the last sentence that we say in when we pray it together. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Why not? Although, if any of you read the King James Version or the New King James Version, it will be in there. So... Um, I'll explain that in a moment. But I'm going to start by, well, I've already started, but I'm going to read um, Matthew. I'm going to read it again in Matthew um, chapter 6, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then in Matthew 6, he goes on, Matthew goes on to quote Jesus as expanding this forgiveness thing that we looked at a few weeks ago. And then he moves straight on to teaching about fasting. So there isn't this ending that we are used to. Maybe you learned it at school or you've just heard it around. Um, so to just to clear up any confusion as to why that we say it, but that bit's not in the Bible, um, I mean, you can Google it if you want to, but this is a summary for you. Um, this ending, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It doesn't appear in the earliest manuscripts that are available of the Bible. It was la added in later, later editions, like in the New King James Version. Um, but hence, it, that's why it appears there, it do, but it doesn't appear in lots of others. There's lots of discussion and disagreement about where it originated from. However, in the 1600s, Protestant liturgy decided to add this ending, to put this ending in, to give it that sign-off, that conclusion. And it's generally agreed that it's a really positive thing. If you were to go to a service in a Catholic church and they, was, they would uh, say the Lord's Prayer, they would call it Our Father and they wouldn't end that bit. So I'm just giving you a heads up. If you go to a Catholic service and everyone prays, you'll be the only one saying that last bit. So just to save you from any embarrassment. Um, because they, they appreciate that it wasn't in the earliest tradition, earliest manuscripts that are available. Um, but however... It is, it is generally agreed with a lot of theologians that um, it was probably Jesus' earliest followers that added this sentence in because it's quite Jewish to have a round-off to a prayer, to have an ending, to have a conclusion. And, and for those of you that have been around church for a while, you, you may have already picked up on the fact that often we end prayers with in Jesus' name or in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That comes from from Jewish tradition of like rounding off prayers with a conclusion of reminding us who we're praying to. So it's, it's, it's thought that with the Lord's Prayer, this sentence was added for that very reason. And it could have been lifted directly from Scripture. So if you, um, I'm going to read some, some verses for you. You can look these up at a later time if you want to. But although this sentence isn't in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, it could have come directly from David's prayer in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11 and 12, that says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. 
Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the rulers of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. I mean, obviously, that's a bit more wordy, but wow, what a prayer. And it carries on if you want to look that up in 1 Chronicles 29. Um, there's also there's, um, echoes of it in Ephesians 3.21. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. In 1 Timothy 1.17, it says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then in Romans 11.36, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So even though this ending to the Lord's Prayer isn't in uh, Matthew's account or Luke's account, I think we can absolutely pray it because it comes directly from Scripture. I love Peterson's, um, Eugene Peterson's tr- message translation of this, of this sentence because he does put it in his translation. And he says, you're in charge, talking to God. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. What a proclamation. What an ending to a prayer. So why am I saying all of this? You may well be wondering. Because I think endings are important in all aspects of life. That is a whole sermon series on its own. So I just throw that nugget out to you. The whole subject of endings is important. How we end things. And so I think how we end our prayers is important as well. And I think this ending it communicates something that is so precious and significant and helpful in this whole context of prayer. So, I think sign-offs are important. It helps us remember them. Um, And I think that the fact that the global church uh, says this around the world, it communicates something so precious and significant. It's called a doxology, and a doxology is a, is a theological word that means to give God praise and adoration. And it's, I love the fact that we begin the Lord's Prayer with, Our Father, hallowed be your name. We're acknowledging who God is and how holy he is. And we end it by saying, Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We are remembering that in our prayer, this is about praising God and adoring him. And it gives us perspective. It reminds us of who we are praying to. So we've got these bookends of this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And the bit in the middle is about us, about our daily bread, about temptation, about the evil one, about forgiveness. And it's bookended by reminding us who God is, that, that, we, that he is the creator of all. He is sovereign. He rules over all things. And nothing happens without his knowledge. You know, so often we slip into this mindset of we want to be the created one. We want to be the creator. We want to have power. We'd love the glory for ourselves. And this, this sentence draws us back to the fact that God is God 
and we are not. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He always has been. He always will be all-powerful, all-glorious, and his kingdom will never end. You know, his kingdom, where what God wants to happen, happens. Where God wants what's to be done, is done. We want his kingdom to come. So this beautiful doxology points us back to the truth of who God is and gives him praise. It points us back to his kingdom and our longing for it in its totality. It adjusts our perspective. It gives us a clearer view of God. And I would argue that that has to change us. That has to change us on the inside. So my question is, is there anything holding you back from praying this prayer? From praying this ending? Do we really want God's kingdom to invade? His kingdom to invade our lives, our kingdoms, our little kingdoms. Do we really want that? We do when it means healing, when it means breakthrough, when it means freedom, when it means redemption. Do we want that when it means our radical obedience, our extravagant generosity, our forgiving those that have hurt us and and offended us? Are we prepared to acknowledge his power and give give our, our, our want for control over to him? Will we give him glory? Will we proclaim these things forever and ever and ever and ever? You know, I don't know what you think about eternity. It might be that for some of you that fills you with joy and excitement and anticipation. We get to worship God, to be in his presence forever and ever and ever. For some of us, it might be, what? That feels really like forever. And there might be fear involved in that. I say all of that just to throw questions out, to get us to think about the words that we say. You know, this ending to this prayer, it's all about worship and adoration in acknowledgement for who God is. You, God, are in charge. You can do anything. You are ablaze in glory, in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. It simply means let it be so. Agreeing with everything that has been said. When I focus on this doxology, this this praise and adoration of God, I am transported to the throne room of God, his kingdom in heaven. I was um, at the leadership, the Vineyard Leadership College had a retreat this week and I was invited to go for a day on Thursday. And we had some worship in the morning and we sang a refrain over and over. And there was, the room was filled with harmonies. And I, I stood at the back and I felt like I was in the throne room of heaven. And I mean, that was just me worshipping. And then I sat down at lunchtime and the person I was sitting opposite went, didn't it feel like...
and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all of them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. We are invited into the throne room of God to worship him with those that are already there. The Lord's Prayer begins with acknowledging who God is and hallowing his name, not for his benefit, but for our benefit. And it ends in us being reminded of who he is and how worthy he is. It leads us into worship and adoration. In a moment, we are going to uh, worship again. We're going to take the Lord's Supper and we're going to worship. But before we do that, why don't we stand together and we will uh, say the Lord's Prayer together. And at the end, we're going to just spend two minutes in silence, joining with uh, the rest of the, of the, um, the country and the churches around the nation as we remember those that have fought and died for our freedom.